35, 3,600 feet above sea level, so it's a little cooler than down at the uh, down in the desert. But it's still it's going to get warm. But we've got the psalmist reflecting who God is and responding to Him, connecting with Him. Is this is pretty exciting to to see how they uh, found their way to Him. And there is a um, well sometimes when when you get into a sermon or somebody's preaching and, and it's it's about you know straighten up your life get 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 on the rules get get that straightened out that's part of it maybe it's going through the mechanics of how this is written what the hebrew says and yeah, there may be some of that that that's necessary Here's here's the thing. From my perspective, the most important thing we can have in all of this is a connection with the living God. Somehow we've got to connect with him. And that's why Jesus is pointing out uh, the, the greatest of all the commandments is to love him. So somehow we love him. We, we As human beings, we, we're invited into this family, this divine family, and we get to be part of it, and we can interact with him, and we have to have the right position recognizing who we are, that we are not gods ourselves, and that we are creation, we are created by him, and we respond to him. And the Psalms help with that, because they they come back to a place of uh, singing or thanksgiving or praise and that is where we are with this psalm psalm 95 and this is worship and we're looking at this god who is incredible to connect with to know that we have an opportunity to uh, enter into this relationship with and the psalmist is giving us some clues on how we can do that so it's not that the uh, technical, the, the grammatical, all those things play a part, for, especially in translation. They're not as helpful always in understanding that this is just a cry, a father's heart to his children to come near. And then for the children to respond with uh, really honoring that father. So this is our chance to do that. So here we are, Psalm 95. Honoring God, 95.1. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. We're invited into this. So come, let us sing to the Lord. And we've had an opportunity this morning to sing, to, ha- to have some songs. And this is something we can do every day, wherever we are, responding to him. And those songs in our heart count. Just responding to the God uh, that loves us and created us and created the world around us. And we have a chance to uh, connect with him and and just let that joy come out of us. Shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. This this is going to be important in just a little bit. The rock, just don't forget the rock part. A rock is solid. A rock is something that reminds us that... in these cases of a huge mountain-sized object, it's immovable. So this, he is—he's there for us. He's the plate. He's providing a rock that that will protect us and shelter us. And 
And it's salvation, the one who he rescues us from danger, pulls us away from where those those situations where we we just may fall apart. But we're shout, shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. So this is we're coming together, we're responding. These are emotional, uh, relational kinds of responses that that the psalmist is laying out. The next part of that is worshiping God. So let us come to Him with thanksgiving another aspect of this, and let us sing psalms of praise to him. There in verse 2. Let us come to him with thanksgiving, and and singing psalms of praise to him. We're, We're recognizing that he is something to be praised, and to offer thanksgiving means it's there's something that that we're grateful for, and You've heard that thing, and every year around Thanksgiving time, you hear those kind of messages of uh, that we should be grateful for the things that we have and how God has provided for us. And, and all of those things are true, but it's true every day, and it's true that He is providing things for us that get lost. And I love it that the Psalm is laying these things out because it gives us a pattern. So this is from us to God. We get to see how this thing points us to him, and we get to have a list. So here, here's the list. The first one he gives us is to sing. So we sing to the Lord, and we are offering from us the, this heartfelt uh, returning of a message of, of honor to him, in a way, and, and singing again is an emotional thing, so it's, it's deep within our hearts and it's going to come bubbling up. So we've got this singing and we've got songs and we've got an opportunity to sing and we have an opportunity to learn these songs. And, uh, and if you noticed when you're really down, you don't really want to sing, you just want to do the dirge thing and, you know, kick your feet or hit somebody. And sing to the Lord is like, ah, I don't, I'm not really. I'm not feeling that. And yet we're here. Come let us sing to the Lord. Why? Because of who he is, which is where the psalm is taking us in this, which we'll get to in a moment. But it's neat the way he lays this out. So singing is part of this from us to God. Shout. Shout joyfully to the rock. You go, what? Yeah. We're going to shout to the rock. This this one who's provided us, uh, us with salvation we have to verbalize some things at times, things that have to come from within us to him and let him know how important he is or that, that we recognize that he's the one who's made salvation possible, that he's the one who's changed our lives in dramatic ways, that he has opened the way for us, that he has sheltered us in times of danger, that he's provided for us in times of need, and we're responding to him. Come with thanksgiving. We're already coming in with that approach. We're not coming to even a worship time and when we like this in a public gathering where we, well, we have to be roped into it. And that's, you know, the job of a worship leader is to just get us all psyched, jumping up and down. So, you know, we, we're hands up, bouncing all over the floor because that's how we know we can shout and we have Thanksgiving because I have to have it worked up in, in me and yet this says, come. That means when you come in the door, you're not waiting for the worship leader to do this. 
You're not being manipulated into this. You just come with thanksgiving, recognizing the God of glory and who he is, what he's done, and you already come with thanksgiving. That's already, you're entering into this worship with that in mind, with that in your heart, and it's being expressed through these songs and shouting and let us praise him. We're acknowledging him. That's where the praise is. That's the direction this goes. And all of these things are directed from human beings to God. And we've talked about this before. Many of our songs that we sing are about God picking me up because I feel bad and everybody's been mean to me and life's terrible, horrible, and I had a bad day. And so those songs, there's a place for those songs. But when we do a lot of those songs, who are we thinking about? Just me, my feelings, how horrible my life is. Everybody else gets a pass. I don't get nothing but kicked. And somewhere you get kicked, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, Lord, Lord, where are you? And it's come in with praise. Look to him. It's not the songs about me all the time. and, And he's looking for us to really recognize that he's been there for us. But it was bad. Yeah, probably so. There are bad things. Is it as worse, the worst it could possibly be? Ah, Look around the world. It's got to be the worst it's ever been. I don't know. If you lived in Nazi Germany or under Nero in Rome, I don't know, Pol Pot, I don't know. You, You might rethink that if it's the worst it's ever been. Depends on who you are and where you were and when this thing happened. And people are going through some tough stuff right now. And you live here. You drove here. Nobody walked here. So you have a car. And you have enough money for gas. And you made it into a building that has air conditioning. And nobody's shooting through the windows. So how bad is it? You probably had breakfast and you're probably planning on having something after this. How bad is it? Why, it's the worst it could ever be. Y'all need to think this through one more time. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. Here's why. This is who we worship. Verse 3. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands form the dry land, too. Everything, all of it. He's done all of that. He's made all of these things. He's made it possible for us to live in it and with it. He has made everything that we need to function, to breathe, to live a life before him on this planet. The Lord is a great God. And again, on the technical side of this, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's Yahweh. So this is the personal covenant God of Israel. He's the one. We know his name. He is specific. And he is the one who's the great God. Great king above all gods. So all those other gods, the Romans, the Greeks, and everybody else's gods, may have influence in certain realms and certain areas. And these are scattered 
around the globe and they don't die, so they're still making uh, their impact. They're influencing nations and leaders and people around the world. So who's the great God? The ones who are over India and Russia and China and, or is it Yahweh? And the psalm is reminding us, he's the one. He created everything. None of these other gods made anything like that. They are not the creator. They do not have that power. In fact, they are created themselves. They just rebuilt. Those are the gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. And every time we look at those things around us, we can be impressed. And you go to the mountains, you go, this is just beautiful. And look how massive and it's just breathtaking. And you go, he did that. He made that. Get out on the ocean and people who are afraid of water, this ought to really grab you. Because you can get out on a lake and this will work. And you're going, oh my gosh, this is just impossible. I might die because there's water. I don't get that because I just love the whole water thing and being under it, in it, around it, whatever. So it's not, but, but I know that it freaks people out. So here's this water. And the highest mountain, 29,000 feet high, Marianas Trench, is deeper yet. It's deep water. You go, man, that's a problem. I could drown in that. Yeah, you, you could drown in that in a pond, but you could drown in that. So here's this frightening thing. This God, the great king above all God, he holds in the hands the depths of the earth, the mightiest mountains. The, the sea belongs to him. He made it. The sea for the ancients, we've covered this before, is, uh, represents chaos, mystery, death. Because they didn't know. They didn't have submarines. They didn't know what was under there. So some of that was just frightening. And this is, uh, God, God's got that. He's got it, whether it's the water, the mountains, the earth, or all the other gods. He is the one who is the great king, the great God. So let's compare this. Compare and contrast. My way or God's way? My way, when God meets my expectations, then I will be thankful and praise him. So I can enter into thanksgiving or praise or coming into worship. I can come with that. When God meets my expectations, and this has been a great week. I got everything. I got promoted. I got, I got more money. Uh, my savings account has grown. Somebody gave me three new cars. It's looking good. Things going my way. Then I will be thankful and praise him. Okay, so what if he doesn't do all that, doesn't meet my expectations? Wow. God's way. God is God. There is no other. Humans do not grasp his immensity, intellect, or intent. Be grateful and honor him because he is who he is and cares for you. Whether he meets our expectations or not, he's God. He created all things. He holds the whole earth in his hands. He's the God who made the mountains. He holds the sea in his hands. All of it is his. And none of that has changed regardless of my expectations. And he cares for me, cares for you. He wants the very best for us. And the very best for us may be getting our attention with some things like allowing us to work through tough times so that we can be ready 
for the things that he has in store for us that we can't even imagine yet. And if we crumble or we turn on him in some rebellious nature or you didn't meet my expectations as though we are 18 months old and things didn't go my way, so I'm going to scream and holler, kick my feet. Huh. Because you didn't do it my way. And God in heaven's going, but I am the great God, the great king, above all gods. I've created all things, and I've been taking care of you all this time. And I will continue to do that. So where does that take us? To 95, Psalm 95, verses 8 and 9. Some listening, something we need to do. The Lord says... Don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah, as they did at Massah in the wilderness. For there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything I did. Everything he did. You think, okay, maybe I've read those before because I read through the Bible once. What was that? Okay. They have been delivered from Egypt. They're in slavery. They've seen these plagues come on Egypt. They are free. They make their way marching across the desert. The, the most powerful army in the world is now coming after them. Pharaoh leading them. They come to the Red Sea. Their back's against the sea. The army's about to get to them. God has placed an angel between to protect them for a little bit. And they're just going, what are we going to do? God opens up the sea. They walk across on dry land. They come out the other side. Now they're walking across the desert on the, on the other side. And they haven't come across a well or any sources of water for a while. And they begin to grumble and to complain. Where is God? Why isn't he taking care of us? What in the world? We're all going to die here. Why did he just rescue us from our wonderful life we had in Egypt and bring us out here where we're going to die of thirst. What kind of God is that? He has abandoned us, and he doesn't care about us. And God's saying, what? So he has Moses go over and command this rock to give a little water. Rock splits, water pours out. They have plenty of water. Everything's taken care of. Huh. Remember at the beginning of this, God is the rock and he just provides in impossible situations and now they are being provided for where they didn't expect it because he shows up when we don't expect it. But instead of giving thanks or even remembering all the things he's just done, and I've, I've heard this from people, you probably have to, well, if I could just see a miracle like those guys saw, well, I would believe. They saw him. They got 10. They got across the Red Sea. They're walking across the desert. Obviously, God has turned his back on them. Nope, if you saw the miracles, just like me, you'd be just like them. Yeah, where's God? Because I just hit another hard spot and... You know, where's God because he hates me and he doesn't take care of me and why didn't he just leave me back there in that mess I had before? No. No, God's got something more in mind. 
But what he's calling us to do is don't harden your hearts like they did. They tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything I did. So God provides for you. He's taking care of you. He's opened doors for you. And you can look at all that and say, but he didn't meet my expectations in some area and grumble and complain and not listen. And God's saying, don't harden your hearts. Just don't harden your hearts like they did. Now, there may be a temptation to share something like, you know, pray, pray that I don't harden my heart. Pray that I you know, you ask people to do things or, or God should soften my heart. It, this is to us. This is our responsibility. This one falls on us. We either listen to God or we don't. We, we harden our hearts because we decide, I, I don't trust him. He, he's not come through for me the way I wanted him to come through for me. In their case, you know, getting them out of Egypt, uh, rescuing them from the most powerful army in the world, getting them across the, a sea, all, not good enough. You have, to, you have to do more, Lord, and you have to do it on my schedule, and you have to, I, I just need to know that everything I expect in my head, every picture I have in my head is met exactly, or you're not God, or you're not good, or you're not good enough. And the psalm says, you know, come, let's worship him. Let's praise him. Let's give thanks to him, recognizing who he is. This is repeated in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. In chapter 10, he's dealing with this. You've got to listen. Don't harden your hearts like this. Don't, don't go back there. Don't wind up in this mess because they did it. So in New Testament believers, knowing Jesus, you can do it too. That's why he's saying that in the book of Hebrews. And it's important to recognize this is related to these issues in the, in the days of Hebrew and the Hebrew scriptures so that you see how all of this ties together, which is where we're going with this next two verses, in verses 10 and 11. For 40 years, God says, I was angry with them. And I said, they are a people whose hearts turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anchor, uh, anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. So they refuse. They have rejected him. They push him away instead of coming near and worshiping and giving thanks. They go the other way and complain. And he says, they will never enter my place of rest. So that's the end, the end of the psalm. But that's picked up in the book of Hebrews. So in the book of Hebrews, the, there's a huge issue about the people, God's people, the, now the, the Christians, the church. How do we enter into his rest? How do we enter into this? What he means by that is his kingdom, his rule, his, his way of working things where he takes care of us, guides us. We have our purpose in life, and he's guiding us in that. We can never enter into his rest. And this is that we're talking about this life. There's, there's other instances where we're talking about heaven and eternity. We're talking about living that life, enjoying the relationship with God here and now, on this planet 
and what he has in mind for us. They will never enter my rest. And what happened to them was they wandered in the desert for 40 years after all their grumbling and complaining and, and rejecting his providence and his power and saying, you're, you're not capable of getting us into the land of promise, the land flowing with milk and honey. You can't get us in there. There are giants in the land, and we don't trust you to help us with that. So he said, okay, fine. You wander in the desert for 40 years. You guys all die off. I'll take the next generation, and they can go in. So they never got to go in. They didn't get to go into the place of rest, which is the place that a promise where God was going to work his will, where he was going to take care of them. They rejected it. So for us, we can push him away. We can do our own thing. We can complain and we can miss it because he wants to provide a way for us to enter into his rest, the fulfillment, the, the meaning, the purposefulness of life. And he wants to guide us in this relationship with himself and it, it, so that we can acknowledge him, we can have fellowship with him, fellowship with others. Those relationships can, can work. And you got to come my way. God said they chose not to. So they are people whose hearts turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. And the book of Hebrews lets us know that's still true. If we choose to keep pushing them away... And you've probably met believers, people who know Jesus. They've read the Bible or they've walked with the Lord at some point, And then they just did their own thing. They just rejected him. And now their lives reflect something really horrible. And they go, wow. Or they're just dried up inside. And the meaningfulness of life is gone. That connection with him. The ability to overcome uh, in, in trying circumstances to trust him, to recognize that he is the God who is above all gods, that he is the creator of all things, that we come to him with thanksgiving for all that he has already done for us, remembering who he is and honoring him. They reject it all. As a result of that, they don't enter that place of rest, a place of peace, a place of love, a place of purpose. So summing that up, connecting with God... Connecting with God. God first. Here we give a, I'll give you a list. We have to have God first. He's, he's the one who's the great God. He's the great king above all gods. He's, he's the one who's provided all things. He's made all things. He, so we're remembering him. To honor God. Not because we're forced to, but because we recognize him. Because we want to. Because we know that he is the one who has all those things in his hands, that he has the ability, that he cares about things, that he is the one who deserves real honor. And so out of, out of our hearts, we pass that on to him with respect and love. We also listen to God. So from the scriptures, from him speaking to us and, and whatever way he determines we listen to him and his direction and we go that way what if we reject it what if we just don't want to hear it then we know that we can't enter into his rest but if we listen to him then he's going to open the way will there be dry times yeah and then he can split the rock and send out the water we just keep walking with him 
We keep looking back and seeing what he's done in the past, knowing that he can do that now or in the future. We just keep listening to him. Discover his attributes, all of his ways of uh, doing things, who he is, his love, his patience, his power, his strength, his creativity, discovering more about how he accomplishes things, that he will work out justice in in our lives and in the world around us. We just have to dig in and find out more about him and and how he works and, and what he's trying to accomplish. Except you do not understand or control the Almighty. Well, that's a bummer. Just accepting that we don't... He's, he's, he's an infinite being. Infinite. Unlimited knowledge. Wisdom. Power. Can't touch it. How are we going to get that? If we live to 100, how are we going to contain even a portion of that? Now, we get a slice. We can actually get to know him. But are we going to know all of it so that we can judge him? Call him foolish in something he's done? Or that he is incapable of making things work and yet human beings do that all the time just accepting we don't know all and that sometimes he's going to be doing things we don't really get why are you doing that now why aren't you doing it later why didn't you do it earlier why didn't you always make my life comfortable exactly how i wanted it all the time because it's not good for you just not good for you And he wants what's best for us. Except you do not understand or control the Almighty. And this last one is hard. Be grateful. But it aches. It hurts. That didn't work out. Be grateful. But Lord, you didn't bring water when I wanted it. Be grateful. He's done all of these things. He knows you need water. He's going to bring it at the right time. It's a lot more dramatic when you bring it out of a rock. He's got stuff he wants to do, and he wants to bring out some stuff for you. But if you whine, complain, push him away, don't listen, you can't enter into his rest. And he really wants you to join him and be in fellowship with him and have a relationship that is supreme. And he has invited you to be part of that. He wants you to enjoy it all. So come, worship him, the God above all gods, the great king who created all things. Come and worship him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us some time to think about you and the things that you're doing. Thank you for the psalmist who penned this. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding and then keeping this all these years just for us. And Lord, I do pray we would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to you so that we see you doing the things that you're doing and appreciate how you're doing it and when you're doing it. And Lord, give you praise. Thank you for this time, our gathering, and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.